Good morning. I want to welcome each of you here. It's good to see you, uh, each one, to the service. Um, I'm not going to spend uh, very much time in announcements. Uh, a newsletter has gone out that hopefully contains uh, a fair amount of announcements and uh, appropriate information. We are in phase one, as many of you know, um, and so that's part of the reason why we've opened up the church uh, for worship. Uh, the group is able to uh, be up to 50 uh, individuals, and so this group really is intended for... We have several small groups in the church that are visiting or meeting in homes, and so that's a way that we can uh, continue fellowshipping and worshiping. Uh, this is also another uh, venue for us to to come together and, and fellowship and, and worship together. So I, again, would like to welcome each of you here. Um, draw your attention to, if you have internet access, I would encourage you to go to PendletonAdventist.org where you can, um, if you listened to today's sermon, maybe you missed last Sabbath's sermon, or... Uh, you want to find out more information about the church. Um, there's a lot of different resources on there. So you can go to Pendleton Adventist, listen to, to, to past sermons. You can also get notes um, from the sermon. So if you heard something that you, you liked, um, then you can go up and download the notes. There's also a tab for online giving. If you uh, like uh, offering to be delivered here, great, continue that. But there's also an opportunity to give uh, via internet. So click on the online giving tab and um, fill out the appropriate information. And I have that set up. So every month my account's drafted. So it's really nice. I don't have to think about it. Um, so it's super easy. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, all the announcements that I have for you today. Again, I'd like to welcome you. I'd, I'd like to um, express how uh, it's so good to see you, uh, each one. We've gone for a number of months with an empty, a relatively a empty sanctuary, just the, the AV, I'll say just the AV, but the AV guys have been up running the camera. And so we've, we're thankful for them, but it's, it's good to have people in the, the congregation as well. I'm going to uh, launch into the sermon, but before we go any further, I would like to uh, have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this beautiful day where we can come together and fellowship, spend some time uh, as short as these moments are. We can spend these moments uh, together in this small group. We thank you for each one who's come today. I pray that you guide us and direct us in our uh, diving into your word in the book of Matthew as we uncover um, an important, I believe, truth that you have for us. Be with us, guide us, direct us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the last time that I preached, do you remember what we spoke about? There's a little tip on the screen. The sermon was called Fear Not, and it was based on all the concerns that we, that we have. We look in the community, we look in the, the state, we look in the world, and there's a lot of things that we can be scared about, a lot of things that we can be concerned about. COVID, I mentioned uh, specifically, there is a lot of angst, both sides, right? Some people are really fearful, and they're going above and beyond the call of duty as far as protecting themselves, which, you know, is is good maybe there's also on the other side the the ones who don't want to do anything that think it's uh, overrated or overstated um, and so there is a fear there is kind of an angst of of what's going on in the society what's going on in community and the fear of taking freedoms or our liberties away um, <clears throat> so what can we what can we rely on the bible is very clear and encourages us to shift our eyes and focus on jesus because despite all the angst and all the turmoil that's going on there is one that can bring calmness maybe that can bring calmness to my soul despite what's going on there is one that can bring security so today's sermon uh, I wanted to share with you and I prayed a lot about this I wanted to direct or talk about faith in the in the in specifically regarding uh, presumption but counterfeiters they make duplicates or copies of the real right and so when when someone goes in and they they learn or they study to find out what a counterfeit is they study the actual uh, monetary or the actual dollar they actually study the the twenty dollar bill to see exactly what the twenty dollar bill really looks like they study and they know and they they understand truly what the $20 or $5 or the $10, the $100 bill, what that really looks like. They don't study all the, the counterfeits. They, they study the real, right? What, and once they understand what the real looks like, they see something outside that, they know right away, oh, that's counterfeit, right? So I studied and I prayed and I thought, well, Let's get into faith. Let's get into faith. And let's find out what faith is. Rather than looking at what presumption is, let's look at really what faith is. What is faith? So today I want to talk about today I want to talk about faith. So we really want, when we know what faith is, then we don't have to worry about anything else, do we? We don't have to worry about presumption. We don't have to worry about all those other things. We can understand what faith is. We can understand and know that, that Jesus is close because we have faith in him, don't we? So how much, 
How much faith is enough faith? How much faith is enough faith? November 13, 2013, we had a, a memorial service for my grandmother. My parents at the time lived in or out in the country close to Salem, Missouri. And my grandmother lived with them for a number of years, and they were, the, they were her caregiver. And, <clears throat> excuse me, November 13, 2013, we had the memorial service for my grandmother, who had passed away. Six months-ish later, it was about June, kind of June-July time frame, it was early Sunday morning. My phone, typically I don't have it on ring. I'm not sure why this time I had it on ring, but it rang early Sunday morning. It was my mother, and she was on the other end, and she said, what, what should we do? So my dad had gotten up, my, my mom had gotten up, and they were getting there, their daily activities started and my dad had fallen down in the laundry room. He had for several months or several maybe uh, short years have been experiencing sh some, uh, well they, they put a pacemaker in, they, he had a pacemaker at the time and they had some adjustments that they needed to do. So they thought that maybe I'll back up. So he was laying on the floor and my mom called me and she says Gary, what, what should we do? He's, he's fallen in the, the laundry room. And I'm not sure what we should do. And wondering if we, maybe we should go into the hospital. And I said, <laughs> most definitely. Load him into the car and take him to the hospital because you, you don't know what is going on. And, you know, we talked a little bit more. And the, the longer we spoke, the more emphatic I was. You need to go into the hospital because I was asking a number of questions and, and uh, through the course of conversation uh, I heard about bleeding yeah bleeding uh, not just in the stool but also in the toilet but also uh, in the bed at night they'd wake up in the morning and there was patches of blood on the sheets I was like wow wow you, you need to take him into the hospital and get this, this looked at. Six months later, well, I keep getting ahead of myself. He was diagnosed um, through a course of studies and tests, and um, he was diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer was not just in one place, it was several places throughout his body and I asked my mom um, does he have cancer on the liver yeah he's got cancer on the liver too and now as I hear this report for her from her I began to pray even more I began to petition God even more my father has got cancer of the liver. He's got cancer 
different places in his body. Six months post, we were experiencing the loss of now my father. So in the time frame of about a year, we'd lost my, my grandmother, and then a year later we lost my father, the patriarch of the family had passed. Why? You know, why? The question was why. As I, as I wrestled with the why, I had, I had, he was getting ready, my, my mom and my dad, they were getting ready to really start retirement. They were ready to buy a trailer and a use their truck and drive around the United States and see the different parks or, you know, get involved in Maranatha trips and go and help out in that, in that way as well. So the question that I had was why? Why when I prayed? Why when family prayed? Why when church members prayed? Why was he not healed? Maybe it's because I, I didn't have enough faith. Was I, was I lacking faith? Was I lacking belief in God? Were we as church members, were we as family, were we lacking faith? If only we had more faith. If only things would have been different. Is this true? Is this true? Just a little bit more faith. I didn't, I didn't have enough faith. Right? Because all those ideas and thoughts were running through my mind. There is a popular teaching, I believe, in modern Christianity that more healings and more miracles would happen if we just had more faith. But is that biblical? Is that biblical? You've probably heard the statement before. If you just had more faith, God can. Dot, dot, dot. What is this idea based on? What is this message based on? I believe the basis of this teaching is that the only limiting in God's divine authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cleanse and drive out the demons is you and me. We limit God's authority or power or said another way your inability to have more faith is why he cannot do more miracles this teaching accomplishes i believe something that's rather bizarre it puts limits on a limitless god in this teaching, God is only able to accomplish 
what you allow him to accomplish. So in the scenario of I don't have enough faith for this to happen, who really is God? Who's really holding the steering wheel? Is it God or is it me? In a sense, God becomes the cosmic vending machine. Insert the faith dollar, and out comes the healing and the answered prayer. But let's turn in our Bibles and find out what the Bible actually says. Matthew chapter 17, I'd like to look at that with you today. Matthew 17, and we will read our scripture reading for today. It is Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Matthew 17, starting with verse 14. Everybody there? Good. Matthew 17 starting with verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epilept- he is elep- epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Then verse 18, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why why could we not cast it out? Very valid question. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you had the faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Important message here in Matthew. So as we look at this verse, we look at this scripture, Matthew 17, 14 through 20, 20, uh, 21, what is really being said? In Matthew 17, we read of a father We read of a father who who comes to Jesus and he pleads with Jesus to heal his son. And for his son, as it says in, in Matthew 17, is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and and often into the water. The father then tells Jesus that he'd already asked the disciples for help. But they were unable to assist. 
So in verse 17, Jesus says, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So we, we turn our eyes in verse 17 to the man's son. son. We see that there is more than just epilepsy being manifested. This man's son is possessed by a demon. This demon is the source of the epilepsy. And it causes him to fall into or, or fall into the fire or, or fall into the water. Jesus, as he sees and hears what the message is, he instantly and completely addresses the main problem by saying, and Jesus rebuked him, verse 18, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. The problem, the main problem, had been resolved. Jesus caused the pro- or ca- Jesus resolved the problem. Jesus fixed the main problem. At this point, the disciples come to Jesus. And this is where the question begins to get answered. Verse 19. The disciples had a problem and they verbalized the problem with a question why could we not do this why could we not drive the demon out did we not have enough faith this is a very I believe valid question to ask of Jesus very pertinent question to ask of Jesus I think that there is a great question that I ask maybe we're sitting here and we we ask this great question as well why did they expect that they should be able to solve this problem as we look at this story, it seems bizarre, doesn't it? That they could be in this situation asking Jesus, why couldn't we drive out the demon? But I want us to be crystal clear about this situation. I want us to understand completely what's going on. Who were these disciples? Were these disciples perfect? Did they have struggles? As we read of the disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did the disciples have it all together? They were never arguing or discussing who was going to be the greatest. They were always having these discussions, weren't they? They were always looking for and wanting to be number one. 
they didn't have it all together. Despite that, who was Jesus willing to work with? Matthew, we're going to stay in this book. Matthew chapter 10, understanding who the disciples were and the kind of discussions and arguments that they were having amongst themselves. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. These guys didn't have it together. I keep saying that because I think it's important for us to understand. They were not perfect. They were arguing and they were complaining and they were fighting amongst themselves. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, what does it say? And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them what? What does it say? He gave them authority. New King James says he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Now if we go down to verse 8, it's on the screen as well. Jesus verbalizes what he was going to give them. Verbalizes in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. He, he says... Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So as we look at the disciples and their reaction in verse 17, were they being unreasonable with their concern? Jesus, in, verse, in chapter 10, had given them power to do this. Now, seven chapters later, they're not able to do this. So, they were concerned. What, what is going on? Jesus gave them authority to do something that they were all of a sudden not able to do. Here's where I see an issue of faith. Historically, we define faith as taking God at His word. God gave them His word that they would be able to do this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Again, Jesus, Jesus gave them His word that they, that they could heal the sick, raise the dead cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Now, by faith, in God's power, they should have been able to do this. But here we see that they could not. So privately they go to Jesus and they ask Him, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus' re response to them, I believe, needs to be examined. Matthew chapter 17. Again, go back to Matthew chapter 17. Picking it up in verse 20. 
we see Jesus' response. And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So what's the problem? The problem as I look at this is really a, a faith issue. It is really a faith problem. When we see Jesus' response in verse 20, when he says, because of the littleness of your faith, as we get into the Strong's Concordance and see what, and see what it says, Jesus is not so much concerned or he's addressing the littleness of your faith. That word being used there is it, it actually means your unfaithfulness. It is your faithlessness. It is not so much that you have a little, it's that you have none. It reminded me as I was studying through this, Peter, he had faith in Jesus when he was sitting in the boat and he says, oh, I see a, 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 an apparition or something that looks like a ghost and they discover it was Jesus out on the water walking towards him. Remember the story? And Peter says, if it is you, call me out. Right? So, so I'll come to you. And Jesus calls him out and he walks on the water. And there is a moment where faith in Jesus stopped. And what happened to Jesus? Uh, what happened to Peter? He began to sink, right? He sunk. He, he looked back at his buddies, or he, a wave came between him and Jesus, and his eyes were taken off of Jesus. And he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And what happened? Jesus reached down and saved him. The issue is faithlessness, or it is the lack of faith. It's not that faith is little, it's that there is none that Jesus is looking at. So what is Jesus telling his disciples? Despite all that had been given, despite all that they had, despite all the experiences that they had, Jesus says the disciples' faithlessness or their lack of faith kept them from doing something that God had told them they could do. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a what? The faith the size of a mustard seed you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But notice what Jesus says they need. What do they see? What, what does Jesus say they need? Mustard size, mustard seed size faith. This is a specific size of faith. Isn't it? Is this a huge size of faith? 
This is a little tiny. Now again, Matthew chapter 13 now. As it says on the screen, Matthew chapter 13, we'll read 31 and 32. And it says, Matthew 13, 31 and 32, Jesus uses the mustard seed in a parable to describe what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all the other seeds. And when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. This mustard seed is tiny. It's very little. It begins very tiny. And yet it produces a plant that all the birds of the air come to make a nest in. Here the mustard seed is being used as an illustration of something that is really very small. Jesus does not begin with how great it is, does he? He starts with the smallness of it. With that in mind, think about what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's basically telling them, you must have faith that is the size of a mustard seed. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You have incorrectly believed that you had the power in yourself to do a thing. But God brings the increase and causes the plant to grow and God gives the, the authority. If you just had a mustard seed size faith, you could do anything. It's important to pay very close attention to what I'm going to say now. Jesus is not reprimanding his disciples because they did not have enough faith. Instead, he is reprimanding them because they had no faith. Why? Because they did not have faith any faith at all. This is not a matter of needing more and more and more faith to do the impossible, but rather, but rather keeping their smallest amount of faith placed in the correct individual. We read the story And it's written a long time ago about Jesus' disciples. What can we learn from this story of faith? How many times have we had conversations with people in our church who felt responsible for the sickness 
who felt responsible for the death of a loved one because they had been told by some TV preacher that their loved ones died because they lacked the faith they lacked the faith for God to heal them they needed more faith there's something i need you to understand today something that can change your understanding of who god is so are you ready very important that we listen God is bigger than your doubts God is bigger than your unbelief or your little faith did you hear that it's not contingent on me God is not limited by you or me. He does not need anything from us. A couple more verses before we close. Acts chapter 17, it says on the screen, Acts 17, 25, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. My God is sovereign. My God possesses supreme and ultimate power, and He chooses to do miracles when He deems best. What He chooses to do and, and not do is not contingent on me. All the faith in the world, even, even billions times billions and billions of billions of mustard seeds cannot command or contain God. We are not God. We are broken servants, broken individuals in need of daily grace. And the tiniest amount of faith placed in the only one that can do. In closing, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts he does not think like we think so where are you today as I wrestled with the death of my father as I asked the question why he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything in between. God is 
supreme. God is ultimate. And he knows I don't. So I learn to, tr- to trust. I learn to place my faith in him. So the question is not why. The question is, okay, you know. You know. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he went to be, to be crucified. He came to a conclusion. It is not what I want. I would rather not die. It's not what I want. It's what you want. With my father and the death of my father, at some point I said, okay, it's not what I want. It's what you want. If you choose to heal him, so be it. If not, so be it. You know, I am not the sovereign. I am not the one that possesses supreme power. So it is your will, not mine. I would propose to you today. I would encourage you today as you continue this journey of life. I would encourage you even with the smallest amount of faith. It's okay. Little faith is, is fine. That is what God wants placed in in him it it doesn't need to be a whole tree's worth of faith just a little lord i believe but help me where i don't believe that is what he wants and he will bring the increase so i would encourage you to put your faith in god because it could mean that even though things look tangled up, it, it could mean that even when life was snatched away, it could mean that as we are by a bedside of a loved one and we see life slipping away, God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign. God is still ultimate in his power. Not my will, thine be be done. God can untangle. God can bring healing God can bring healing to the broken let's pray Father in heaven 
as we look at the mustard seed. If not for your involvement in that seed, faith would not grow. It is no power of our own that causes life to begin. The spark comes from you. So as that seed of faith is in our lives, I pray that you bring the spark, that you bring the increase, that we grow, not because it's something that we muster up or something that we kind of conjure, but it is because of your power and your work living in us and through us. I pray that you be with us, guide us, direct us for your will and your glory. I pray in Jesus' name.